welcome to the sermon podcast feed of Liberty Church Collingswood, where we want to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in Collingswood and surrounding boroughs, or wherever God has placed you. Find us at libertycollingswood.org. Part of our mission is preaching sermons, so here you go. Keep in mind that these messages are designed to bring the timeless message of Jesus to bear in specific contexts to specific people. The whole eternal word, changing worlds thing. Would you hear good news here? Bon appétit! You stand and let's listen to the word of God. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Allow me to pray for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would turn on lights in our minds, in our hearts. This is a prayer for illumination. We tend not, uh, because of sin and also because of frailty, to see ourselves accurately, to see each other accurately, and most important, to see you accurately. Would you help us? Would you shine your light Let us see the goodness and glory of Jesus and give us grace to follow. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So the Apostle Paul is in prison, and this is who he's writing to. He's writing to people he loves. He loves this church. Okay, he has a relationship with this church. They've actually sent him some supplies, some money for food while he's in prison. Prison in the ancient world was BYOB, BYO everything. So there he is in prison. They sent him a gift. He's thanking them. And listen, listen to just some signs of their relationship. He tells them in the beginning, he longs for them with the affection of Jesus. He actually misses them. He wonders how they're doing. He's going to send a young leader named Timothy to find out how they're doing so that I, quote, might be cheered by news of you. They love him. He loves them. He was part of planting that church, starting it, and he's had the joy of seeing it grow. And he's concerned about them getting along. He desires that in their discussions and disagreements, 
those have a Jesus shape, that they not forget Jesus when they disagree. And he kind of acts like there's a certain kind of fighting and disputing, like when things get ugly when we disagree, that we've forgotten something about Jesus. Just before the passage I read, he says, only let your life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus, of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or an absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. He kind of acts like if they, if they start fighting as a church, and if they have disagreements about stupid things, and if their disagreeing gets ugly, it's not just like, hey, I care about you guys, I've, I just hate to see this happen. He acts like they've forgotten something deep about Jesus. This comes out later in the letter, too. He'll say, point blank, do everything without grumbling or disputing. Later, he names two leaders, Eodia and Sentiki, two women who must be significant leaders in the church. And he simply asks, agree in the Lord. I ask you to agree together in the Lord. What were they fighting about? We don't know. Apparently, he doesn't matter. He basically just says, hug it out. Agree in the Lord. In America, right now, and in our region, right, there's a lot of disagreement. There's a lot of ugly disagreement. There's been a lot of ink spilled about how much polarization there is. It seems like we've lost some of our ability to talk about stuff in which we don't think the same way and have it be patient and kind. Uh, social media sometimes seems to make this way worse. Social media makes money by holding your attention. The longer we can hold your attention, the more ads we can show. Therefore, they're motivated to hold your attention for longer. You know what holds people's attention? Rage. Headlines and articles that are mathematically, oh, you tend to think like this, well, we're going to show you this, it's going to get you upset, and you'll stay on this app longer. They're motivated by money to actually, it's kind of making the world worse, to promote rage. Uh, Twitter noticed that rage retweets were the most popular retweets. It wasn't like, hey, this is a kind story. This might brighten your day. Here's a nice thing to think about. Things that would make people <laughs> angrier are what is retweeted the most. Something for all of us to think about as we use social media. And yet, okay, as a community, Liberty Collingswood, we, you, are centered on Jesus. And in Jesus, we're called to do something different. If we fight and argue like the world, not only would it be bad for you as a community and you as a church community, but we're not going to be the light in the world that we're called to be. We're actually called to, since we do have peace with God, and so we have something to pass, that Jesus Christ has forgiven our sins, we're called to be at peace with each other, even when we disagree. Uh, I know that Eric Mitchell said a few weeks ago, uh, we are called a harmonious church does not have to be a homogenous church. We can have differences, we can have disagreements, 
But how we have those things, will we live in a manner worthy of the gospel? Will we let Jesus shape us when we really disagree about stuff? So the Apostle Paul, he's seeking to give a church an attitude adjustment. This is a church-wide encouragement and attitude adjustment. And I'm simply going to walk through it verse by verse. Okay, we're just going to look at it sentence by sentence. Look at what he says here in the beginning. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. He's basically saying, look, if you've gotten anything from Jesus, if you've been encouraged at all, if you've been comforted by love, if you have the Holy Spirit at all, these are all basic things. To be a Christian, we're forgiven by God through Christ. Uh, we're comforted. We have the Spirit. He's like, look, if you've received anything from Jesus, let's just do the whole thing. Go the whole way. Make my joy complete by having the same mind. And think, he's, he's saying, have the same mindset. Have the same outlook. Being of full accord and of one mind. Think about that phrase, having the same love. We have been loved by the same love, the love of God through Jesus to us, and we're called to imitate the same love. We have the same love. And he calls them to unity. He calls them to get along and draw together. And he warns them. Look at this next sentence, the warning here and the call. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And we see both the danger and the solution here. The danger, selfish ambition, conceit. We don't often use the word conceit. Conceited, to be conceited, it's the opposite of humility. Humility uh, you have an accurate depiction of yourself. You're not blown up. Conceited is you're thinking too much about yourself. Selfish ambition. Hey, I want to get ahead for me. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Don't just think about yourself and what would interest you, bless you, help you, make you more comfortable, help you get along better. What are the interests of others. One, um, this is a popular idea in our culture that people who are mean actually have a self-esteem problem. And uh, actually two psychologists wrote a book about this. They wrote a book called The Narcissism Epidemic, Gene Twenge, Twenge and Keith Campbell, both PhDs in psychology, and it's long been thought that mean people, why mean people are mean, well, they have low self-esteem, and behind their thinking, they pretend to think highly of themselves and low of others, but they actually secretly think low of themselves, and that's why they're mean. And this is a funny thing about the book uh, that was actually really, really popular. It came out in 2009. Um, actually, people who are narcissists and are being mean, they actually truly do think too much of themselves. They actually really do think that they're better than others. 
They actually, so it's not like, hey, we need to puff you up more so you're not so mean. No, actually, you really do think you're better and you need to stop. You need to not think that. that. That's actually precisely this verse. This verse acts like most of the time the problem is we're selfish. And we think too much of ourselves and we're not thinking about the interests of others. This can, this can, this is an everyday thing. Um, this is, this question is often convicted to me. When you see someone doing something crazy on the road, do you think, hey, that person might be just having a terrible day? Would you give them the grace that you desire for others when you make a mistake on the road? You didn't look carefully enough or you're, you need someone to let you out. Do we, do we ever stop to think, that person might just be having the worst moment right now. Hey, they just might have made a mistake. Like you and I make mistakes. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also the interests of others. What he's calling the church, this church of Jesus and also us to is humility. And here's the weird thing about humility. Humility is the shy quality. You talk, as soon as you talk about her, she disappears. Someone can't even say, yeah, I'm really humble. You can't say that. You're obviously not. And we've actually, you know, there's a reflection quote with someone joking about it. Ted Turner goes, if I only had a little humility, I would be perfect. And of course, a humble person can't say that. Humility's hard. It's so difficult, we j we're apt to joke about it. Uh, Winston Churchill joked one time, yeah, we might be all worms, but I'm a glow worm. I'm a special worm. I glow more than the others. And as he jokes that way, we recognize a little bit of ourselves in there. What's going to heal divisions? Putting others first. Thinking what's going to be, count others more significant than yourselves. What you think about this, your opinion about this, what you're trying to guard, whether it be mass or politics or how we should do this or think about some things that people can disagree in in the church. Hey, what you think about this actually matters because you matter. Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, has a chapter on pride in mere Christianity, and he makes this insight. When you meet a humble person, what's striking, they're obviously not talking about being humble, and they might not appear. Uh, what, what is striking about them, often the takeaway, is that you notice they're interested in other people. A humble person is interested in others. It's godly self-forgetfulness. Not to think less of yourself, but to actually just think of yourself less. That was an old William Temple quote. Not to just, it's just freedom when you're not, godly self-forgetfulness, to forget yourself in a healthy way. You're not down on yourself. You're not bummed about yourself. You're just not thinking about yourself because you're loving other people. Godly self-forgetfulness. What heals divisions? Love 
that puts others first. So notice what Paul does not do. He doesn't referee who's right. Hey, I heard you guys were arguing. I'm going to straighten it out. You're wrong. You're right. You're wrong. You're wrong. He just calls them to have a gospel mindset. Um, years and years ago, after Seinfeld ended, Jerry Seinfeld took a couple years off as a break, uh, you know, break from TV. He briefly had a show called The Marriage Ref. Some of you might remember this show. It was a real-life couple. They're having a dispute, and a celebrity would come, just listen to them both, you know, funny, some kind of funny argument, and then the celebrity would decide who is right. And the spouse that was right got their face on a billboard. They won. They got to enjoy being right. And it highlighted that actually we love to be right. And it highlighted often in marriage, we forget like the vow, the call to humble ourselves, the call to serve each other. And we make it about being right. You know what's important to being right? Biblically, apparently, the interests of others. So how do we get that mindset? Well, look what Paul does. He just says, let's look at Jesus. And this might be a hymn that he's quoting. It might be that he wrote it, and it became a hymn. But he, this is a famous section of the New Testament. We learn about the divinity of Jesus. We learn about his humanity. He, Paul might have written this. It might be an early Christian hymn. He might have written it, and then it became a hymn. But listen to what he does. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. You could also, he could also say, it's yours through Christ. Have this mind amongst yourselves. He says, hey everybody, let's think like this. Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not, equality, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. What does this teach? Jesus was and is the Son of God, and somehow he emptied himself and took on human nature, born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He emptied himself and humbled himself. In this passage, we see Jesus going low, doing that to himself. Jesus emptied himself. Jesus humbled himself. And God lifting Jesus up. He was obedient. He listened to the will of the Father, being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Not just death, but terrible death. Therefore, God's lifted him up. Jesus, his humbling was from himself, and he was willing to do it. And his exaltation, his being lifted up, is from God. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is the one lifted up and who he is now is being revealed. 
He's with God the Father. He rose from the dead. Jesus' true identity is revealed now. And ancient people knew what it was like to take the knee and bow. Take the knee and bow and say, Caesar is Lord. Take the knee and bow to a ruler. And Paul says what the Bible teaches, that Jesus is being lifted up in a way that's going to be healing for the world and also right and good for the world. How do we get humility? Look at Jesus. Hey, you want to be lost in your own thoughts a lot? Think about yourself and compare yourself to others. Some people make you feel uh, it'll nick at your pride because you're jealous of what they have. Other people you might feel slightly better than in a way that's often mean. To stay proud, to stay self-focused, compare yourself to others. To begin to be humble, we're invited to look at Jesus. To grow in humility, we're invited to look at Jesus. I want to end with just these two things here. You look at Jesus and what he did, and there's a savior to receive things from. Well, Jesus did this for me and for you. I don't know many of you. I don't know what you struggle with. But I know this. There's no sin so bad since the Son of God did this. Okay? Since the Son of God died for our sins, there's no sin that can't be forgiven. And to know Jesus and to draw near to God through Jesus, you really are reconciled. You really are forgiven. You really are loved. And the most important thing is secure. You will know God forever, and you'll be with God's people forever. You have a destiny. To know Jesus, we're reconciled to God, forgiven, adopted in God's family, made a part of the community forever. And actually, the good part of our deepest hopes and aches will all be satisfied and fulfilled. There's so much to receive. Look what God's done for us. Jesus, who is God, humbled himself to save us all. There's something to receive here. If, if you don't know this, you've got to check it out. You've got to look into it. I, uh, I went to a, a funeral right before, in the beginning of the summer. It was someone who I had the privilege of leading to Jesus about 11 years ago, and uh, she died of pancreatic cancer at the age of 40. Uh, sharing the gospel uh, with this woman, she shared her story publicly, and actually her caring bridge, the online thing where you can pray for someone who's going through a medical thing. Last time I checked, it had over 250,000 visits. But explaining the gospel to her and her the first time her boyfriend was there who had recently come back to faith and there she is like hey what's happened to you man I, I don't get this explain the gospel to her and the goodness of Jesus and in the living room she goes she thought she was making a good an interesting observation she said I didn't know that's what it was that's good news 
I didn't know that's what Jesus did, that he did that for us. That's good news. She led her next door neighbor to Christ. And though she struggled with cancer and didn't want to say goodbye to her family, her slogan, and this was the theme of the funeral, was victory either way. If I'm healed, that's a victory. If I go to be with Jesus forever, and Jesus is going to have to show up in the life of my husband and my kids, God, I'm going to be with Jesus, and they're going to be with Jesus. Victory either way. It's good news. There's something to receive. Do you know this Jesus? Do you know him? And friends, there's a pattern to imitate. Um, Paul's saying, let's be like Jesus. Let's humble ourselves and serve others. Jesus, who ultimately, in the most deep way possible, did not put his own interests first, but put, put ours first, we are called to put the interests of others first. Uh, God's chosen a team, actually. He just says, frankly, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, the book of James. Psalm 18, you save the humble but bring low those whose eyes are haughty. No one will get to be prideful forever. That will one day be corrected for everybody. And we're called... Looking at ourselves and each other through Jesus, look at the love of God. We should imitate that humility. Let's put each other first. Let's not be like the world in how we argue. Let's not uh, step on each other to get ahead. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Let's not, even in coming into, uh, C.S. Lewis has this quote, coming into the church, we have tastes, we have opinions, should we not expect them, this is the quote, should we at least bring them in to be humbled and if necessary modified? They're not to be indulged. Should we not expect that rubbing shoulders with each other and interacting with each other? Uh, some stuff we think, we're just not going to be able to do it that way. Where, here's a takeaway and something to wrestle with before we uh, continue worship. Where is a lack of humility really messing up your love for others right now? It could be in driving. It could be in a relationship at work or in family. Where is a lack of humility and a lack of having the mindset that comes from the gospel of Jesus bringing uh, horror in the world, tension, sadness, division, selfishness instead of love peace and let's look at jesus let's look at what he's done for us in liberty collingswood let's imitate him let's have this mind which is ours in christ jesus in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit amen hey could that have been the best sermon ever yeah. The odds are strongly not in its favor. Still, thanks for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also check out our version of a preaching after-party, the post-Sunday blues, a preaching post-mortem, on the same podcast feed, where you can go backstage with the sermon. Live, speak, and serve at you later.